Good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are. This is Chris and we're down here on the beach. Uh, so we don't have the passive silence of an office. We have the beautiful background of the roaring ocean. And uh, well, the storms have been doing their thing as usual. Last night it bucketed rain here and so the sand is gorgeously damp uh, and chilly. So I'm walking bare feet as always, or as I try to do always, don't always do it when it's three degrees, my feet freeze, but um, so I wear shoes, but yep. And it's a beautiful feeling to put your feet on the earth and remind yourself that that's where a grounding comes from. It's one of the ways you use to switch off. Now, it might sound really weird that I would be switching off at six o'clock in the morning um, and yet <clears throat> I think the art of switching off is so important to our lives that <clears throat> we practice it between performances and it doesn't matter so I think the gross form of switching off is called annual holidays and nothing really can explain how that process crept into our lives except that we're very clumsy <clears throat> we work our asses off hoping to have a break for a couple of days or a week and I guess there's an advantage because you can be away for those who work a lot you can be away and spend a bit of time with your children however most children will tell a parent they really don't want to spend a lot of time away with the parent they want to go and do something special so the whole logic of the family holiday uh, it's crept up on us because it's just part of our culture but it could be questioned and could be called ridiculously or it could be called an oxymoron really we need to be taking holidays every day every day is a holy day holiday Every day we don't spend half an hour in deep immersion with our children without expectation. And that's, I guess, what I wanted to talk about is the whole concept of switching off. We might go for a run and switch off. We might go play piano, um, all these things I've done. We may even go to hypnosis and switch off. But as soon as we have an expectation of what's going to happen during the run, you know, how long it's going to take, uh, as soon as we have an expectation of whether someone's going to like hearing our music, as soon as we have an expectation of what development's going to transpire as a result of hypnosis, as soon as we have an expectation of an outcome, we've lost the switch. It switches back on even though we're doing something that's really switched off. So we might be reading a book. We're reading through this book, we go, ooh, I need to remember what's in this book. So we start marking the pages. We start underlining things. We start making notes of the notes of the notes of the pages of the notes so that we remember the book. And we've basically taken something that we, were, we might be doing to switch off and switched it back on again. A great example of this is my dear old dad. 
Uh, my dad didn't know how to switch off, not once, never. And what he'd do, due to the stress buildup of everything he was doing, uh, he needed to smoke a cigarette while he did what he was doing so that there was some level of calm or relaxation while he was doing what he was doing. So at the ripe old age of 70 something years old, and after five or six major heart attacks, which all were on the brink of death, my dad took up a hobby, which was uh, taking postcards from anywhere in the world, uh, blowing them up with a photocopier, stenciling out the postcard on a piece of plywood, and then with a tiny little fret saw, cutting out the windows of a building, and then eventually painting uh, 3D, in a sense, 3D artwork on pieces of board. And he ended up passing away with thousands of these things, and they were hanging throughout his house. They were so, well, I guess clumsy in a one way, but they were such a beautiful thing. But when I went up to visit my dad for, you know, the occasional, how you going dad visit, I'd say, how'd you sleep last night, Pop? And he'd go, oh, I couldn't sleep. I was up all night, I couldn't sleep. And I, <clears throat> I said, what's, why? And he goes, I just can't get the, the wheel of the paddle steamer right. And so <clears throat> he'd be carving out the back wheel of a paddle steamer into his boards, which were never going to be sold, given away. And his meticulous appetite to do something worthwhile with his day and his life switched back on to at the point where he couldn't sleep. And I always said to him, you know, what are you going to do with these? And he goes, oh, they'll be there when I'm gone. Well, unfortunately, you know, there were a few of them handed around uh, in his will. But the majority of them, I don't know where they went, I think. And I suspect they went in the bin. So all my dad's sleepless nights and all the worry and all the love and care he put into these uh, things and all the sleepless nights. So the question is always, what are we switching on and what are we switching off for? You know, I understand the beauty when you hear a story like this of an old guy with a frail body investing himself in art and completely committed to it to the point where it actually probably in the end killed him <laughs> from uh, lack of sleep and stress because he really did stress over these things. But at the same token, kind of like sad that we die from the stress induced by something that didn't amount to anything. And uh, just was virtually a life preserving mechanism, not, not unlike an oxygen tank or something. So I think 
the point of the matter is not whether it was a good thing for my dad to be doing his sculptures and, and his, uh, his wood carvings, I mean. The question is, could he have done it in a way that lengthened his life rather than shortened it through anxiety? And I think the answer to me is, uh, uh, with a loving heart, is my poor old dad died of worry. He worried and he never learnt, not once, his entire life to switch off that worry without too much alcohol. He'd go to the footy and I remember my dad having a fist fight with my uncle. My, his sister's husband having a fist fight with him over an umpiring decision. <laughs> and you think, seriously? Seriously? That's it? That's the most important thing? Seriously? <laughs> That's what you're going to have a fight about? And then both of them would recover from that, drink another six or seven beers, and we'd all get in the car and drive home through the melee of trying to get out of the MCG football stadium without any... Uh, street guards or anything and everyone would be pushing each other and nudging in within millimetres of each other's car to get out the gate ten minutes early and my uncle died of worry as well. Switching off means losing your expectation of what's transpiring and just doing it for the sake of doing it. Um, one reason I stopped playing music is because I, I became so aware of what people would think. I was so worried about how people perceived my music that the fun of doing it, which is what I love, because I played a piano and I played quite well, I think, but I played well enough to sing and I love singing. I mean, I just love it. I love singing and I'll catch myself in the shower singing full volume and then I'll realize, or someone will say to me, do you know what the neighbors are thinking? Do you know the neighbors can, I go, oh shit. And I'll shut it down. Because, not because I'm shy, but because I'm respectful of the neighbors uh, privacy and space. So there it, there it becomes my guilt, and my worry about somebody else's experience in life becomes the determinant of what I do and don't worry about, such as singing in the shower. And just putting it mildly, I sing at a rather high volume. It's not a hum. <laughs> so the ability to switch off, it isn't meditation, by the way. A lot of people think the whole art of meditation is switching off, but actually it's quite on. Your posture's engaged. You can't do meditation with a bad posture. It's impossible. Your body is in discomfort and being able to live with that and accept that and remain calm in your mind is one of the essentials of meditation. And without some level of uh, enforced body control, even just stillness lying down, meditation becomes 
uh, just another piano. So in, in the real art of meditation, posture is critical, sustained stillness is critical, and your body speaks to your mind, and your mind speaks to your body, and there becomes the art of meditation. So it's not switched off, it's actually switched quite on. In Zen, when we sat in the Zen meditation and 13 hours non-stop with just five minute breaks every hour to stand up and walk around in Zen and sit down again, the teacher would come behind you with a, with a thing about the size of a uh, high school ruler a meter long with two straps of bamboo, uh, two sticks of bamboo stuck together and if they hit you with this stick, not so hard, it wasn't like a welt, like a punishment, but it was a shock because the thing would clack together like a clacker stick and wake you up and of course shock everybody else in the room in a, in a, in a place of absolute stillness. And what the teacher was, monk was looking for was where you s turned off, switched off. So in Zen, the art is switching on. So, the ability to switch on in Zen without an expectation, which is why you do it for such a long, long, long period of time, is to fraught or, or screw up your expectations, is the ability to bring on and off into the moment. So you switch on your body, you switch on your connection between your mind and your body, and you do what you do in a moment of Zen, which is called focus or presence, which is right in the middle where the switch is halfway between on and off. Or when you're in the middle and you're both switched on and switched off. So you have no expectation, but your mind body is switched on. This is a very, 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 very uh, unique place. And you do it, we all do it. We do it in the shower sometimes when we're singing. We do it when we're at the computer working so enthusiastically to get a project done with joy and love. We do it when we play a game of soccer sometimes with our kids uh, and we just forget. I, I get it uh, sometimes in a pool doing swimming. Sometimes it's just so in the now and I've got enough pepper to get me to the end of the pool but I'm not timing it with my watch or anything, I'm just swimming with enough pepper to keep me concentrated, but not so much that I run out of breath. This uh, center zone, with both the switch on and off, is an art that you get going up the pyramid. As you can imagine, down the bottom of the consciousness cone, off is to the left and on is to the right. But as you get right up to the top and you say, I love doing this, on and off becomes <clears throat> the distance between them becomes uh, almost undetectable. And that's why in the working day, in your working life, in your sport, in your health, being able to get to the top of that pyramid with a, with a love to uh, attitude will cause you to be completely in the zone, completely uh, uh, switched on and switched off all at the once. And that's a powerful, powerful 
level of consciousness and self-awareness. But for most people, that place is more polarized. They're on or off. And of course, the most polarized is called a family holiday down the bottom where you're on at work, for, which is for what most people uh, describe as, you know, working flat out, doing what they've got to do. And then they've got to go on holidays to recover from it. And that's rather a chunky thing because in the process of doing that, uh, when we're on, extreme on, we burn. We burn matches, we burn relationships, we burn ourselves and we get hyper and then we have to go into the off which is hypo. And hypo, if we're in fear, leads to stress. Hypo, if we're in doubt, leads to incredible uh, uh, behavior that isn't necessarily in our best interest. And hypo, when we go to the next level, is an addiction to something that switches us off. So most people who have an addiction to something use it to switch them on or switch them off. For example, coffee. I'm walking along the beach with one in my hand. It's morning time. You would think, uh, in some ways, that coffee's an unnecessary trigger to switch yourself on in the morning. But I've been up since five and I'm doing a podcast and been doing a podcast without a cup of coffee, it's too boring because I'm in the middle. So to wind myself up a little bit and bring a little bit of energy to the, to the podcast every day, I have a coffee before it. So I could live without it, uh, I don't, but that makes me hyper, hyper, hyper aware, hyper conscious, hyper sensitive, hyper aware, hyper vigilant. It makes me switched on. So when I finish the walk and go back to the house, usually after an ocean swim, not today because it's been raining and there's too much dog piss gone in the ocean for me to swim in it. Uh, I'll take a shower and bring myself all the way back down onto the hypo side and then balance it out and then come back to the middle and get behind my computer. Whenever I sit behind my computer at work or get to a coaching session, before the phone rings or before I go in front of my computer and do something, I always remind myself how much I love doing what I do, how much it fulfills my purpose, how much uh, I, 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 I care. I always remind myself, go through the affirmation of bringing myself up the pyramid, which is not automatic, by the way. It, it is a manual process of bringing yourself up the pyramid to a place of choose to love to. So when I'm in my work, I bring the on and off switch together, which triggers open my intuition and, and leads me into a state of inspiration. And that's where I work from. But when I come out of that, and I might be, because I can't stay there all day, uh, that's just not practical. I've got to cook brekkie or make a something, go for a walk or a swim. I come out of that zone and switch on or off in a more gross way. And I come down to maybe want to. I don't ever believe on a, in a week or a month I will be in a got-to state because I have really strong disciplines set in place in my life to put 
got to in the bank. So I've got to go for a, this morning walk every day. I've got to eat certain foods. I take certain vitamin pills. I've got to have a medical check every couple of months. I've got to check uh, the daily uh, hit training. So there are certain got-tos that I just put there in the bank and do them so that I'm not running on running on empty at any stage. Got to do something. And of course, sometimes uh, you get triggered by a surprise and while well, you drop into got-to to sit and sort it out, but that's only for five minutes or so. So, love to and choose to on the pyramid, the consciousness cone, are not automatic places you go to by habit or default. They're places that you go to by practice, by habit, by skill. And hopefully uh, you realize that you, every week you set goals for yourself. And if those goals are exciting, and if those goals are inspiring, which, you call, we, which we call on the chart to the right, future enthusiasm if there's an enthusiasm about achieving the goal for the week it should in theory take you into a level of the unknown in other words confront the status quo of your life what you eat what you how you talk uh, how you walk how you sit it should confront the status quo of your life to the, not to a degree where, it's, where you're in shock and you're down a project, but where you have to improve. That's evolution. And by improving in your, by setting goals to the right, take you, it means every week you've got to go through the four stages of success, which we've talked about uh, in the Loom videos, for those of you who are subscribed to my coaching, the four stages of success and because we go through the four stages of success every week by setting micro goals we also go through the four stages of dealing with unfinished business and if we can do that on a weekly basis we'll evolve at the pace of nature rather than be left behind and have to get a, a click by a four by two to remind us how important it is not to end up uh, lagging behind and getting ourselves back into a got-to situation in order to cause us to evolve. Now, not everybody likes to be around an evolving person. It confronts everybody, but that's actually why you evolve. You evolve to disrupt the status quo of those who would rather stay stuck in their beliefs and their patterns. You, it's like sandpapering marble. If you evolve everybody around you, in your whole family, in your community has to evolve. They don't have to like it, but they can't stay where they are. And that's true leadership. means every week when you set goals for your week that are future enthusiasms little goals for the week that future enthusiasms you evolve and the world around you evolves 
And that confronts people, supports and challenges them. And that's not something you need to repair. You need to be able to handle the fact that not everybody's going to enjoy and jump to, uh, what you call it? Support your growth and development. Managing this sort of dichotomy of the on-off switch therefore becomes a really important part of life. And I think you can measure whether the on-off switch is working for you because the greatest place that you can identify where you really need to switch off for the day is when you go to bed at night. If you're not sleeping through the night, it's because you're not switched off. Now, once upon a time, we would say if you're not sleeping at night, it's because you haven't done enough in the day to give yourself uh, permission to sleep. In other words, you haven't burnt off enough, enough energy. But that concept is just ridiculous. Being at peace at night is a choice. We know the secrets to it. Firstly, you go back through the day with the total recall. I've shared that with everybody. Total recall, you go back through the day and just by the hour mark off gratitude. You go through tomorrow and you go through the hours of tomorrow and mark off each hour with a spin. Make sure that you're looking forward to it. And then in the experience of being in your body, you start counting your blessings and then you're at peace and if your bed is made correctly and the blankets aren't too hot and you haven't drunk too much water before you go to bed uh, at the most you'll wake up once or twice in the night for a, a pee especially if you're a bloke my age but basically getting up for a pee in the night is not waking up it's sleepwalking, and uh, that's quite easy. So, on-off switches is today's talk. Have a beautiful day. I hope you can hear the ocean in the background right now. It's quite magnificent.